The New Testament reading is taken from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 6 to 14. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that in the word we have access to your voice and we can present ourselves to you and open ourselves to you so that the word may do its wonder-working power in our hearts. And I pray today, Holy Father, that your word would be that powerful double-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and that today the quickened and enlivened voice of God may discern the thoughts and the intents of our heart. To the end, O oh God, that we might give ourselves to you and allow you to reign and rule in our lives. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we continue to look at uh, 1 Peter, and this is our final sermon in 1 Peter. It's only taken us, goodness, eight, ten months to get through these five chapters. Um, but uh, slow and steady wins the race, as I, as I hear. Well, today's not without reason that Peter prefaces his uh, section on spiritual warfare by this emphasis on humility. It's not without reason that Peter prefaces this section on spiritual warfare by his emphasis on humility, because the devil, who is the ancient enemy of God's people, is the very spirit of pride. The devil, who was always the antagonist and the opponent to God's people, even as he was the opponent of Jesus in the wilderness, he is the spirit of self-exaltation. The spirit of Lucifer is the appetite to be above. It's the desire to be above all, to be above the stars of God, to ascend the heights of the clouds, even to climb so high as to strain to make the creature equal with God, to aspire to be like the very Most High himself. And so when the devil, that serpent, tempted Eve all those long years ago, he was only exhaling the noxious fumes of his own desire. You, Eve, you will be like God, even as I desire to be like God, to be exalted, to be lifted up. Pride is the devil's darling sin. 
is at the very center of his twisted self. And pride and self-elevation is the real demonism of today. Pride and self-exaltation is the demonism of today as it has always been the demonism of this world. It's what James describes in chapter 3 of his epistle. It's selfish ambition, James says, which he describes precisely with this phrase, selfish ambition, which is demonic. It's the exaltation of the self. It's the vaulting of the individual. My desires. It's what I feel. It's what I want. It's my agenda. My needs. My emotions. My feelings. What I'm feeling about. What I'm thinking. What I'm hoping for at the expense of anyone else or anything else. What matters most is me. This, James says, is demonic. It's the source of all quarrels. It's the source of all wars, all disorder. It's the poisoned fountain behind every evil practice in this world, as James says. And this demonism of selfish ambition is directly opposed to the spirit of Jesus, who made himself, we read, nothing. The Lord was in the highest place, but for the joy of honoring his Father, he took the form of a servant. He placed himself where he knew he would be despised and rejected and scorned. And so as Peter approaches this topic of the demonic today, of the reality that the devil is prowling this wide world like a devouring beast, and he is assimilating people to himself. He is making people in his own image. This is what it means for the devil to devour you. He is making you in his image. He is making a people that will work things that befit his principles. And so Peter writes to the church, I want you, church, in the reality of this, in the reality of this great serpent that is assimilating people to the way he thinks and he lives, I want you to clothe yourselves with humility. I want you to take the form of a servant because all vaulting self-interest, all selfish ambition, all me-ism is to be in league with the devil. Whenever we give in to pride and selfish ambition, then in the words of the great Puritan Thomas Goodwin, we maintain the devil's quarrel against God. When we are proud, whenever we are proud, we begin to show forth the image of Satan himself. And so Peter writes to us today, and he says there's another way, and it's the way that the cross has made clear to us. And it is just this. As Paul writes to the Philippians, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. And you will find few phrases more grating to the natural man. You will find few phrases so opposed to the spirit of our age. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. 
But how do we get there? How do we get to that place in this age of the selfie? In this age of self-promotion, which is so rampant, look at me. Look at me. How do we get to this humble place? And get there we must, because as we read today in verse 5 of this, of this chapter, the humble place is the only place where the grace of God is available to us. God opposes the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. As the great South African pastor Andrew Murray writes, without humility, there can be no abiding in God's presence. There can be no experience of his favor. There can be no power of his spirit. Without humility, no abiding faith, no abiding love, no abiding joy, no abiding strength. Humility is the only soil in which the graces root themselves. And brothers and sisters, we simply can't manufacture it. We cannot manufacture humility. We are far too broken. On the best of our days, we are far, far worse than we ought to be. We are far too broken, and the warp and the woof of our being is far too desperately proud to be able to try to be humble. Many do try to be humble, and such acted kinds of humility always come out as a species of self-admiration. It comes across as false somehow. It comes out smarmy and self-aware. It doesn't taste true. It's like those crystals that you buy at the store. The package promises that if you just buy these crystals and add water, you'll get a beverage that tastes like peach. You pour them into the jug and you add the water and you mix it together and it looks peachy but you taste it and it's irritatingly sweet and the peach taste is unmistakably unpeachy. It tastes like peach and it doesn't taste like peach at the same time. And so you end up with people like this with a troubled soul who says, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I try not to look in the mirror, but I just get better looking each day. That's what comes out with manufactured humility. There's no drink mix for this. You can't work it up. And so in response to Peter's command today to clothe yourselves with humility, it's not enough to pull up our bootstraps and determine to be more humble. We need a deeper work. We need to address the root problem. And the answer, as always, lies in Jesus. Listen to what the Lord says in John 5. John 5, 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? You see, Jesus at this point reveals and unveils the secret of his humble heart, the secret of his self abnegating servanthood. I am the one, Jesus says, that seeks the glory that comes from the Father. 
I seek the honor that comes from my Father. I am so absorbed in my Father. I am so taken up with the desire to please my Father that the only thing that matters to me is that I live a life that delights in the one in whom my soul delights. This is all that matters to me, Jesus says. And so it doesn't matter to me what people think. It doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what my Father thinks. And this posture, this posture of Jesus is the fountain of all real and genuine humility. An eye to God, seeking glory that comes from the Father alone, seeking the honor that comes from Him alone, seeking only the Lord's approval. And so freed, utterly, to be commended by men, by an overruling desire to be commended by God. This is the life of Jesus, who gladly became a servant of all, so that, why? So that he may be glorified by his Father, in whom was his chief delight. Remember Jesus approaching that great day of his suffering and the redemption of his people. And what is his prayer? Father, glorify me so that I may glorify you. Disciples, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. What was the Lord's food? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and as to finish his work. I desire to do the will of my Father. My eye is on my Father. And so today, as Peter says, clothe yourselves with humility, he says the very same thing as Paul says in Romans 13. Put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the pride, prideful and self-exalting flesh to gratify its self-promoting self-exalting and proud natures. Put on Jesus. That is, let Jesus be so Lord of every square inch of your soul. Let Jesus be Lord of every part of your life so that you may resist the devil who comes to you to make you into his image. And my brothers and sisters today, let me describe to you reality as it really is. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, the demonic spirit will be standing by your bedside, having watched you all night long, and before you open your eyes, this demonic spirit will have concocted a plan that day to make you and conform you into the image of the devil. Resist him. Be not conformed to the spirit of this age, but rather open your hearts to Jesus. The gospel today is simply this. In pure and in undeserved, unmerited grace, Jesus comes to live his perfect and his God-enthralled life through you and to conform you to the image of his perfect God-exalting righteousness. 
And so my brothers and sisters, let Jesus in today. My brothers and sisters, let Jesus in tomorrow morning. My brothers and sisters, let Jesus in tomorrow night to do his work in you. This is the gospel. The Lord comes to work in you. And so open your mouths wide and he will fill it. And as we come to the Holy Supper today, come in faith. Come today in faith, expecting the fullness of God today. Open your mouth wide today and receive the fullness of Jesus in these creatures of bread and of wine. He is here. The Lord is here and he comes to help those if only they will believe and receive him. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.